0: world famous abbey road studios everyone knows the stories of the bands who have recorded there but who are the people behind the scenes that make the studio tick i'm paul saxton join me on this exclusive series with virgin atlantic where we chat to the heroes who bring a family spirit to number three abbey road i am andy maxwell and i'm
1: an assistant engineer here at abbey road studios how long have you worked here andy uh nearly four years now
0: three in sort of like yeah four years come january How long was it before it felt comfortable and home? I mean, was it scary at first?
1: Yeah, incredibly. And I sort of, uh, yeah. I mean, there's still sort of, I'm still not like fully comfortable here, but I feel like that's kind of important because it kind of drives me to like not get too complacent and, you
0: know. Yeah. (laughs) How's the role changed during that time? Is it much different now from from when you?
1: Well, when I first started, I started as a runner. So my sort of day-to-day job was sort of um, keeping on top of what was going on throughout the building and um, trying to sort of manage all the sessions. And. Now, nowadays, I'm an assistant, so I just kind of get logged on to like one session, and like that's my priority for that day rather than knowing what's going on in the building, which is mm. kind of a blessing and a curse.
0: How far in advance do you know that stuff? I mean, I know obviously we're, all, we're at that point where you, everyone's getting used to getting back to some form of normality I yeah. suppose but do you know a long way in advance what you're
1: going to be working on? It depends sometimes you know you get launched into something sometimes you get the phone call like an hour before going oh someone's coming in at this time you're like oh, oh man and you gotta like try and drag yourself out of bed and it's three o'clock in the afternoon and <laughs> <laughs> um, but sometimes you know way in advance if there's like someone's requested you for something that's coming up in like a month or two and um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it sort of varies.
0: So, what sort of hours? I mean, do they do they vary a, a great deal? Is it is it usually d- pretty much does oh, yeah, it all the hours? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. You can. It sort of depends on how something like an orchestral session is very regimented in when it sort of starts and finishes. Um, but even then, within the sort of time that it starts and finishes, you still have to be there to sort of pack it up and um, sort of set it up as well. So you're there way after the musicians come and go. Anyway, mm. um, so even those days are pretty long. But yeah, do uh, sort of.
0: Do, do rock bands still keep long hours, late through the night hours? It not depends so much on
1: the sort of age they are and the kind of, yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. young and sprightly, then they've probably got a bit more energy and a bit more excitement. But some of the more kind of like senior rock stars that I've worked with of late, they seem to like enjoy their, you know, off time as much as they do their on time now.
0: That's very tastefully put. Senior rock stars. Yeah, Yeah, not throwing anyone under the bus there. (laughs) No, that's right. But I mean, you know, that that was a great tradition, wasn't it? It, uh, You know, in in studios in general, I'm sure, and Abbey Road in particular, was, uh, you know, bands working through the night, including the Beatles, I think.
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Apparently those sessions were fairly unpleasant to work on from an engineer's perspective. A lot of them tried to avoid doing their sessions back in the day because they would, yeah, you know, turn up at like 11 and work through until four in the morning.
0: And Mm. that was the way it was done. Mm. Not so much of that now, though.
1: Um, there is, there is. Yeah. More so with, um, I find like a lot of kind of hip hoppy sort of sessions. They tend to kind of like, uh, those sort of hours or if someone's like flown over from America and their body clock is still very much like over the pond. Yeah. Um, I did a session here once where I did an orchestral session. This is an example of getting caught on something last minute. I think Mark, like Mark put me onto this actually. And there was, um, There was an orchestral session going on in Studio One, which I was on, which we started at sort of like nine o'clock in the morning and finished at about um, 10pm. And it was for like Fast and Furious, 15 or whatever they're on now, Hobbs and Shaw. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of lose track of it all. um, (laughs) And then Mark last minute was phoning. He was there. I was this guy coming in called Mixed by R. Lee, who's like one of my kind of like heroes from like a sort of hip hop mix perspective. Mm. And he was mixing a Sir and Kendrick track. Um, and I had to like literally finish that orchestral session and then come in here to do the Mixed by Ali thing. And he was still on, you know, Pond o'clock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that one went through until about sort of seven o'clock in the morning. So that was like near enough, a sort of 24 hour day. Mm. And it was the night that the um, basketball, they call that when it's the sort of like, play, is it the playoff playoffs? Playoffs, I guess. Yeah. 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 The Raptors won that
0: one. Right. Yeah. Did you know a great deal about Abbey Road before you started working here?
1: Um... A fair bit. I mean, from what I'd sort of, like, read and seen, it was always a place I kind of had my um, target set on, I suppose, somewhere I wanted to work. Mm. Um, you know, you don't really know about a place until you get in
0: it, though, No, you? I was going to say, when you, when you got through the door, was it, did it bear any resemblance to what you'd imagined beforehand?
1: Uh, I guess the, the sort of core elements of it did, but, um, I mean, the nature, yeah, I don't know. It's not a million miles off what I kind of expected, because you kind of, when you talk to people about it, they always say, oh, you can't expect this, you can't expect that, expect to do these kind of hours, expect to do that. So mm. you kind of like mentally prepare yourself for the worst and then hope for the best.
0: <laughs> I imagine one of the things that people want to know when you're being interviewed to work here mm. is to be sure that you're not going to be too starstruck, you know, yeah. because I mean, there are just, you know, global stars walking these corridors all the time, aren't
1: they? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. And I don't know. I kind of you were like, always okay with that. I was always okay with that. I kind of like take pride in like trying to be as cool as possible in that situation. And like, yeah, I don't know. Quite into that.
0: Can you remember the first time you saw anybody? You know that uh, a, a real a name that had you going home, telling your your friends and family that you'd just seen them.
1: Yeah. Well, I remember like um, one time having to do a studio tour of Studio Three for Madonna. And that was quite overwhelming. Because that was I'd only been here for about sort of six or seven months at that point. And it was her kind of like specking out the space whether she was going to use it. I assume to like do her album. And at that point it was like um to maybe do a playback of her album for the head of the label. But um remember that one being quite intense.
0: And how big was the entourage?
1: Do you know what? It was really small. It was only like two people. Was it? Yeah. About that. It was her engineer, her kind of like driver slash Secretary, I guess, he was kind of running around with a phone, like, <laughs> yeah, of course, <laughs> like oh, all these weird phone calls. Yeah, um, And wh- how was she? She was cool. She didn't, she did sort of like, she thought the Studio 3 wasn't loud enough, which is funny, because that, that gets fucking loud yeah. in there. You know, she like basically turned the speakers <laughs> all the way up and was there like, no, it's not loud enough. And then everyone else in the room was there with like bleeding ears, you know, <laughs> like, really? But um, yeah, she didn't end up using the space in the end, so... You know, maybe we should have made it louder. <laughs> made it louder. That's
0: right. Yeah, but I mean, she probably part of why she would have been here checking the place out would have been she would have known the history, and you know, I'm sure she was quite sort of uh, uh, not not in awe, but you know, certainly very impressed by what she saw.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one thing that's always quite cool about this place is you get to see. That's the other thing that's quite nice. Like you never really get starstruck because stars always get starstruck about the building. Like someone will come in and you'll give them a tour, and then um, you'll see the sort of like glint in their eyes when mm. they realize that all these records they love were done here, and. Uh, that's quite pleasant, actually, seeing like you know people that you thought were like you know really cool or whatever, kind of yeah. like losing it a bit.
0: Give me an example. Can you think of somebody who was really on that sort of level?
1: Um, well, I mean, like there was a session in here a few weeks ago. Like I think I, I wasn't on it, but um, one of the one of my colleagues called Tommy was, and like he ended up like showing Bono around, and he was like he showed him to the Echo Chamber at the back of Studio Two, which is. Uh, and I mean, Bono's been here a million times before, but, like, he apparently he's still just, like, absolutely buzzing off it and, like, singing Beatles songs in the Echoes Chamber and, like, clapping along and all that kind of stuff. And like That's brilliant. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, it's it's nice when you hear that people don't lose that, that, uh, you know, the, the ability to be impressed. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Because it's, that's an example of how Abbey Road's um, past informs its future, you know what I mean? You know, there's all of these projects mm-hmm. going on that have something to do with where, you know, 90 years yeah. past... But they kind of point the way to what happens next as well.
1: Well, it kind of always does. And the building is like a sort of living organic thing that is a summation of both the past and what it is in the future. Cause you've got the history of like recording technology here because it was you know, opened in 1931. And like, an example of that is something like artificial reverberation. You know? You've got the echo chamber that Bono was singing those Beatles songs in. It's one of the first examples of people trying to artificially apply reverb to their music. And then you've got the rest of it through to the modern day here. You've got plates that was the next thing that kind of sort of came after that um which is just a big old sheet of metal that people hang like electronics down and it sort of makes it sound all reverberant yeah and then you've got a rusty old spring in the top of the building that's unfortunately out of action at the moment um through to the sort of like digital processes that they built in the sort of 1980s these early sort of reverberation computers yeah through, through to the plugins that we use today which even funnily like you still, people, because all that old technology was used to make those fantastic records, people hold that sound very, like, dear to their heart. So mm. a lot of the modern emulations of things is trying to hark back to that time, you know? Mm. And it's great when you've got the real things that you can, like, pull in and plug in. And
0: stuff yeah, like. so as you were learning, the you know, the, the ropes here and, and finding out what the different studios can I mean, were there times where you could actually... Uh, see a piece of equipment and match it to something that you knew on a record. I mean, the particular effects or, or. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, know. yeah. It's just, I mean, like, the biggest thing for that, though, is the space, the room, because, like, you step into Studio Two and it's the room where all those, like, fantastic Beatles things were made, and you play a chord on a piano and you're there, like, bloody hell, you know, that, <laughs> that not, that's the chord that was on that song. Yeah. And yeah, it's just. I don't know.
0: That's the kind of stuff that
1: gets you like mind boggling a little bit.
0: Yeah. So there is still a lot of vintage equipment here, isn't there? Tons, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. The stuff that still works. <laughs> just about.
0: <laughs> is there some that's being sort of retired or is it, because uh, that it's, must be it's a delicate thing to do, isn't
1: it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's stuff that sort of like might not get turned on for like a year and you just like cross your fingers when you turn it on that like it does all come back. Um, but we've got like a really sort of talented technical department here. Um, who kind of like are the sort of thing that keep the building ticking over. They're like so fantastic. And, um, they're all really good if you like, get stuck. You are never like throwing into the deep end trying to get like a tape machine working or anything. You can like give them a ring and they'll come and mm. apply their expertise to the situation.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you if you had a chance to get any sort of advice from you know, people who've gone on to be famous engineers or producers who I'm sure they come back here, don't they, a lot?
1: Yeah, no, totally. No, I guess, yeah, like, the best piece of advice that I've ever got is like, first one's never really get complacent, you know, We're always try and like push forward and stuff like that. And the other one is like, try not to get pigeonholed because music can be such sort of like a fad based thing. And you if you get known for being like the guy that does that thing, once that thing becomes unfashionable, then you have a career, you know, you've kind of got to, like readjust. So
0: mm. that would apply to the studios as a whole, wouldn't it? Because it? you know you don't want this place to be known only for what for, only say for rock music.
1: I mean, I guess it applies to anything. Do you find it with your sort of like stuff? Do you find if you're like a sort of journalist? Yeah. You can,
0: yeah, yeah it, it's, you're absolutely right. Very important to avoid that stereotyping, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, and just part of it is having a wide range of musical interests, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's it. And I mean, that's what makes you, I think, like a good engineer anyway, is if you listen to like a wide variety of things and you think like, oh, how do they get that sound? How do they get that sound? And yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, we're talking about, you know, just a, an amazing history going back 90 years, which is about to be marked... Is being marked in a, in a very big way. Yeah. Um, impossible to say what the next 90 years hold. Maybe we should guess at what the next, you know, nine years <laughs> hold. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Hard to guess though, isn't it? No, tricky. Yeah. So it's... anybody that's been through these doors that you've not had the chance to meet, any big names that you have thought, oh, I wish I was on that session?
1: Yeah. Man, one guy that like I'd love to work with, but I don't know. I'd be surprised if it happens. I think the time the sort of ships kind of sailed is Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. Kind of like probably my favorite artist of all time in the way you sort of. Approaches music and approaches, like, creativity. Um, I'd be very surprised if that comes, comes to fruition now.
0: So do you remember that he was here for something? Or at some I don't point? know,
1: actually. He might have been at some point. Mm. And he's very much been more of an American kind of guy anyway. I think he's yes. I like, mean, he made most of his records over there. Um, and when he comes over here, it's only for a few shows or whatever. He hasn't mm. done big tours here. No,
0: it's been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. Since we you heard from him, really?
1: Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. I think the last time he played here would have been, like, sort of, mm, two, early 2000s, maybe?
0: Yeah. But, it's, you know, he's almost the exception because at some point most major artists around the world have been through these doors, haven't they?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a bucket list thing for most people, isn't it? I mean, he may well have come through the doors. I'm not sure. Someone might have to find that out.
0: Mm, no. yeah. yeah. Can you remember the first time you walked over the Zebra Crossing? I had to do a Zebra Crossing question. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do I remember the first time I walked over the Zebra Crossing? Probably, Yeah. Probably when I came for my first interview, which I didn't get. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have bad memories of this ever. Yeah, I really screwed up my first interview. It's funny. They sat me down and they were there like, oh, what would you want to be doing? And sort of like, it was a studio manager. And she was like, what do you want to do in sort of like 30 years? And I was like, oh, I'd love to work in the studios and then become a mastering engineer. And she was like, why the fuck do you want to be a mastering engineer? <laughs> and I was like,
0: oh, for God's sake. Like,
1: <laughs> and there went that job.
0: So that was the wrong answer then? That was
1: the wrong answer. Yeah. yeah. Fortunately enough, they gave me another chance two, two or three years later.
0: Oh, for a completely different, you know, a, yeah. a whole new setup. A whole, a new, whole
1: new setup. Interview. It was a different boss. <laughs> 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 Didn't remember me. Yeah. She doesn't remember me now, which is nice. Which is kind of
0: cool. So, but you know, it's a couple of years since I've been here. Probably a bit more than that, actually, for obvious reasons. And um, mm. you know, it's changed a lot. You know, I mean, this is the basic yeah. layout of of the you know the entrance and so on may be the same. Mm. But you know where we are now in the in the gatehouse, and just every other you know lots of other places around the around the property are, are different.
1: There's lots of new spaces, aren't there? Yeah, it's kind of exciting. Opens yeah. it to like a lot of new people to kind of come through the doors. No, it? that's right.
0: But then it needs to be that way and, and be ever changing, doesn't it? Because yeah. you know it's it's one thing being an institution, but if yeah. you're not moving with the times, then you've had it, haven't you? Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all about adapting. Yeah, that's right. Well, Andy, great to talk to you. Yeah, no, fantastic. Thank Good you. Good luck with the next thing. What's up next for you?
1: Uh, well, today we're doing some sort of Disney theme parks ride thing should be a laugh right yeah. and then I'll be honest with you I've just got back from sort of 10 days holiday so I'm not as in, into my sort of schedule as I should be yeah. but um, yeah I'll get there
0: enjoy it thank you thanks Andy no cheers nice fun. one take care Abbey Road Studios enjoying 90 years in operation if you enjoyed this then why not check out our other episodes on Virgin Atlantic Vera